0: Coming up next on Contemplate.
1: But here's the thing. You cannot truly follow Jesus Christ if you separate your Christianity from the rest of your life. You can't.
0: That was Pastor David Robinson from Acts Church in Vancouver, Washington. And this is Contemplate. Today's going to be an important episode as Pastor David teaches us about priorities, our identity, and the church. Please turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 4, verse 23, and here's Pastor David.
1: Now, the response of Peter and John going to their companions is the same response that you should have when you have good news, bad news, any kind of news, when something happens in your life and you need to tell somebody about it, the first thing that you should think of, the first place that you should go, should be your companions, which should be your local church. Now, there's, we've talked a lot in Acts about prescriptive and descriptive. Prescriptive and descriptive. And what are those things? So prescriptive is what you ought to do. Like the doctor gives you a prescription. Take this thing. Go and do this thing, and then there's descriptive, simply describing what happened. So there are stories in Acts, and there are places in Acts where it's simply describing, "This is what happened." It is in no way saying, "And you go and do likewise. You go do the same thing." It's not saying that at all. Then there are some places where it's telling us something, and we should be taking that to heart as the way that we should also model our lives. That's prescriptive. The other is descriptive. This. Peter and John going to the church immediately is prescriptive. It's something that we ought to do. We ought to do. When something good happens, when something bad happens, the first thing we should be thinking about is going to our companions. And we'll talk about why that is. Some of us have um, our church friends and our work friends and our normal friends, Rarely are your church friends normal friends, I guess, I don't know. Um, But you sort of pigeonhole your friends into different sections, right? You have different friends um, that you deal with, you sort of of, uh, make divisions for yourself within your life, right? You put your faith in kind of its own little neat category and you dust that off on Sunday morning and you come in and you hang out with the Christian people And then on Monday morning, it's a different set of people, and oftentimes, a different you, a different us. Language patterns are a little different, types of things, types of conversation might be a little different. And then on Friday night, you know, it's, 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 you got a whole different thing going on, right? You got to, you know, and so you got a different set of friends and a different way of acting and different behaviors, you know, until Sunday morning when you dust that other thing off, right? So when you see your Friday night friends out, you talk a certain way. When you see your work friends, you talk a certain way. When you see your church friends, you talk a certain way. And there's a certain vocabulary and a certain language. The only time that that's different is when you see your church friends somewhere where both of you know you probably shouldn't be. And then you just ignore them, right? You pretend like you didn't see them. And in the South, you know, I've been living in Tennessee for about six years and the Southern Baptists, or a lot of the Southern Baptists down there, they think that drinking alcohol is a really bad thing. And I'm not going to get into all of that today, but just that's true. A lot of them do. And then the Methodists down there maybe aren't as concerned about alcohol. So the joke is, how do you tell the difference between a Methodist and a Baptist? And the answer is, the Methodist will say hi to you in the liquor store, right? The Baptist won't. So... So we have our different friends, and we have our different ways of dealing with them sometimes, right? But here's the thing. I want you to, to think through this. Jesus is not asking for your Sunday mornings. He's not asking for your Sunday mornings. He wants all of your mornings, all of your afternoons, all of your evenings. Christianity is not a club that you can go to and, and go home from, and you don't turn it on and turn it off. You don't have your life in Christ and then your other life. When I was in law school, I went to a Christian law school, which is some of you are probably like, what? Yeah, is there such a thing as that? No, I'm not the only one that ever went to a Christian law school. Um, there are others uh, out there. Not a lot, but they're, they're out there. Um, and... At this law school, we had one day we had some attorneys come in, some local attorneys, and they were Christians. Um, they were professing that you know they were followers of Christ, but when they were talking about their work. It was very interesting. One of the things they were talking about was helping, um, from time to time, they would be, I think, appointed, is what they would do, to um, take teenage girls who wanted to get an abortion. I'm not talking about in cases of incest and things like that, I'm just talking about teenage girls who wanted to get an abortion. There was a parental consent law, but if you didn't want to tell your parents, basically you got an attorney appointed that went and got the judge's permission to do it. And they would represent these girls sometimes to help them get an abortion because they didn't want to have a baby. And it was it was kind of like, but do you believe that that's okay? You know, abortion. a no, well, no, not necessarily believe that it's okay. But their kind of mindset was, yeah, but that's that's the, my church life, right? That's that's that. I don't connect what I'm doing over here with what I'm doing over here. Now they didn't say it in those words. Um, They're attorneys, they're more careful than that. But the impression that I was left with, and I'm not judging anyone's heart, I don't know what's in their heart, but the impression I was kind of left with was, these guys separate their Christianity from what they do at work. And I remember thinking, as I'm I'm wanting to be a Christian attorney, I'm thinking, I don't want to be that. I don't want to have to not be able to defend the things that I do at work to my Christian friends and I couldn't do it. Because I just say, well, that's, that's for church, and that's, that's for work. But I think a lot of us do. A lot of us have done that. I'm not just preaching at you about separating our lives out. It's me too. All of us, we can fall into this situation where we disconnect ourselves. We disconnect ourselves. We pigeonhole. But here's the thing. You cannot truly follow Jesus Christ if you separate your Christianity from the rest of your life. You can't. Here's the thing about following. You're behind somebody who's going in a certain direction, right? If every time that Monday morning comes, you go this way, you're not following over here anymore, right? And so you cannot be, by definition, a follower of Jesus Christ if sometimes you're going a different direction. Then you're not following him. You're not following him. He's not calling you to follow him for a couple hours on a Sunday morning. Here's the thing to keep in mind. The priority of your associations, in other words, the associations in order of importance to you, your priority of associations will drive your focus and your energy and your money. That's what will happen. Your priority of associations will drive your focus in life. It will drive your focus in life. And as you think through this and you're honest with yourself, about those associations that you put in certain order. Okay, I've got, um, you know, my family, and then I put, you know, maybe my hunting club here, and then whatever. Wherever church falls in, all those things that are above it, those are your idols and your functional saviors. That's what they are. Those things that come above God, by definition, are idols. They're what you're putting, they're they're what you're turning to instead of turning to Christ. Those are the things that will drive it. Now, how do you define yourself? Okay, so if somebody comes up to you and says, tell me about yourself, how would you describe yourself? The first thing that you would say, the second thing that you would say, the third thing that you would say, these are the priorities of your life, the things how you would would describe yourself. Would you say, I'm a teacher, I'm a plumber, construction worker, I'm an accountant, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, I'm a vegan... I'm a hunter, I'm a fisherman, I'm a surfer, I'm a nerd, I'm a picker, I'm a grinner, I'm a lover and a sinner. (laughs) Right? Whatever you would say, whatever you would put there, however you're defining yourself, that's the priority of your associations, and that drives your behavior. That drives how you spend your time, how you spend your energy, how you spend your money. If the first thing that you would say, if you would not say first... I'm a follower of Christ. If that's not the first thing that you would say, your priorities have become skewed. And if you would not say, I'm a follower of Christ because you're embarrassed of Jesus, then your fear that someone's going to think you're a fanatic or a weirdo or whatever is, does not make sense with someone who believes that they follow the God of the universe. There's no reason to have that kind of fear. And I understand Christians have done some stupid things and said some stupid things. And you don't want to be associated with people who have said certain things and done certain things, and so maybe you don't want to mention that you're a Christian because you don't want them to immediately conjure into their mind these guys that hold the God hates fag signs on the side of the road or something like that, right? These idiots who trample the love of Christ for their own judgment. You don't want to be that, right? Here's the thing, though. Rarely are you going to say, I'm a Christian, and they say, stop talking. You might be able to... Explain something more. Like, not that kind of Christian, right? You might be able to say something a little bit more. But my point is, what's coming into your mind? Who are you? What are you about? What's coming into your mind? Those are the things that will drive you. So for myself, I'm a Christian first. I'm a lot of other things, but I'm a Christian, and that's the primary thing. I'm also a husband and a father and a son and a pastor and a lawyer So here's the thing. You can't pigeonhole your life. You can't separate one thing from the other, not when it comes to Christianity. You might be able to separate your fantasy football league from the Kiwanis Club, but Christianity is not like that. These days, we have entered into a time in culture and society where we've started to use language in a certain way. We've started to use labels in a certain way. It's really interesting because on one side, we all, we're labeling ourselves in a certain way. We'll talk about that. On the other side, we're desperately against labels of any kind. Don't label me. Don't label me. But then we also label ourselves. And the way we label ourselves is oftentimes based on our um, associations or our desires or those things which we consider to be um, important to us. And what we start doing is we start using language of essence start using the system of essences. And an essence is simple. An essence is the basic nature of a thing, the quality or qualities that make a thing what it is. So just think about it like this. If you took something, if you took one of these things away, one of these essentials, the thing would not be what it was anymore. What What would you take away that if you took it away, you would not be you anymore? So for instance, most of the parts of your body are not essential. Because if you lost them, you would still be you. There's a couple exceptions, like your head. If you lose that, and it's away from your body, you're not you for very long anyway. I hope not, if that ever happens. But um, there's certain things that that if you separate from yourself, um, you find that although you don't have that body part anymore, you're still you. Just as much you as you were the day before. So, but in essence, is something that if you were to take it away, you just literally wouldn't be who you were anymore. But we use this language, and essential language sounds like things like this. I was born to be fill in the blank. I was born to be a dancer, or a singer, or a football player, or a salesman, or whatever it happens to be, right? I was born to be this thing. And here's the thing about using language like that. It seems just kind of cliche, like, I was born to do such and such. But when you say it, it has a certain kind of power. And here's the power that it has. If you were in fact born to do something, you can automatically justify elevating that thing above everything else. Because in fact, if you were born to be a dancer, if that's what you were born to do, that's your destiny, then you ought to spend as much time, effort, money, and everything else on becoming a dancer, right? You can elevate it above other priorities because in fact, you were born to do it. So when we use this kind of language, we get into a particular uh, way of thinking and way of prioritizing our lives. Um, Here's the deal. I don't want to get... Into real controversial stuff today, because as many of you know, I don't like controversy. Um, I love controversy, okay? But not this morning. I don't have time. We'd be here too long. But for a second, I just want to touch on a couple of social issues, and I know you guys love that, and I'm sure I'll offend somebody, but here's the deal. I want you to see how far this goes. It's important to see how far it goes. There's one place where we hear this essence talk a lot. We hear the essence talk a lot, and that's in the area of gender and sexuality, I was born this way. This is who I am. This is essence talk. When you use those kinds of words, it's essence talk. It's saying, these things are essential to who I am. Therefore, they cannot be wrong. See, you don't even have to make the argument. It automatically follows that if you were born to do something, or that if something is who you are, that it cannot be wrong for you to be who you are. Right? You see how strong... The argument is, if it's true, if it's true, it's a very strong argument. Now, we're not going to get into the issues of sexual behaviors and and these kinds of things right now. Another time, maybe. But I just want you to understand what happens when we use essence talk. When essence talk starts coming in to the moral landscape. And the landscape, generally, of priorities. Okay? But here's the thing. Here's who you are. You ready? I'm going to tell you what your essence is right now. This is what's essential about you. You are a child of the God of the universe. You are created in his very image and likeness. That's who you are. Okay? You were made to know him, to grow in him, To follow him, to obey him, to enjoy him, to enjoy the things that he's given you, to enjoy the other relationships in your life. All of these are part of your essence. All of these are who you are. And when we think about whether something is right or wrong, sometimes we can go back to this essence thought. We can come back to what's essential, the most essential thing, the most basic thing about you is that you're a child of God created in his image and likeness. So when you consider a particular action or behavior, if you think to yourself, is this consistent with being made in God's image and likeness? Kind of like, what would Jesus do? Is this something that's consistent with somebody who's God's child created in his image and likeness? Am I treating the other person like someone who's God's child created in his image and likeness? If those you can't answer yes... What you're doing is wrong. That's a very easy call. It's a very easy call. That's who you are, though. That's who you are. And by the way, with the sexuality stuff, here's the thing. I can tell you right now, I can I can end this discussion for you right now. Sexuality is not essential. It is not an essential part of who you are. How do I know? Because scripture is very clear that when we go to heaven, there will be no sex. You guys look really sad. <laughs> I'm sorry. My bad. People are like, what? Is there a church who says we will have sex? I'm going to that church. There will be no sex. But in heaven, you will be more of who you are than you've ever been. You will will be the fullness of who you are. All sin, all brokenness, all evil will be gone. It will be you and God, and you will be unfiltered, you, all of you, and yet there will be no sex. So if sexuality was essential... To you, then it would have to be there when you're going to be all of who you are and it's the one thing we know won't be there Therefore when you make when you use essence language when talking about sexuality, you're off from the very beginning You've what have you elevated? Sexuality you've elevated sexuality to this to this place and now you get to prioritize it It gets to become the thing that your life is about And we have the society that we live in now We elevate these things We elevate our priorities, and that's what we're about. Watch TV for a night, and you tell me what our priorities are as a society, right? Sex, money, pleasure. These are our priorities. How do we know? It's all we talk about. It's all we spend our time with. So here's the thing. You weren't born to do any particular thing. We're all born with particular desires, some good, some bad. Particular gifts, some good, some bad. Some of them, we have desires that we have to avoid. Some of them, we have desires that we should encourage. That's fine, you're born with those things, but you weren't born that way, as in it's essential with anything. Forget about sexuality, anything. You know. Well, I just can't stop doing such and such. Yes, you can. It's not essential to you. It's not who you are. The only thing that's true about who you are is that you were made in God's image. That's the only thing that's true, that we know for a fact is essential to who you are. Okay, now here's the thing. I gotta get moving, I'm almost out of time. So let's just, let's just go to this, okay? These guys went to the church immediately when they found out, and what that shows us is that their priority, their priority, the primary thing about their life was their Christianity. That was the primary thing, that's prescriptive. That's what it looks like to be a Christian. Some of you are saying, now hang on a second. You're calling me to think about church on more than just Sunday. Okay, I can kind of think about that. But the kind of thing that you're calling me to, the the radical kind of thing where church is this huge thing and the body of Christ is this huge thing, that is crazy. I've got fill in the blank. And you'll find your idols. I'm going to give you the hard truth. This is what Christianity looks like. I hate to tell you. I don't hate to tell you. I love to tell you because the truth is there's life there. There's life there. When you start to have your companions be the believers who care about you and love you, you're going to find life there. But right now you think, no, 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 I've got this, and I've got to take the kids to soccer, and I've got to do that, and I've got to do that, and then we've got, and you go on, I, you know, I can maybe make it twice a month. That's all I can do. Eh. It's all you're choosing to do. This is the hard truth, but I'm called to tell you. You want to follow Christ? It's the real deal. Jesus Christ did not die for your Sunday mornings. He didn't. He didn't die for your Sunday mornings. He died for all of you. He died for all of you. And I'm not talking about making church an idol either. Well, if I just go to church enough, then God will think I'm good enough and I can get into heaven. That's not how salvation works, obviously. Okay, salvation is the grace, the free gift of God By what Jesus did on the cross, you believe that Jesus died and rose again, you accept that free gift of grace, you're saved. It's got nothing to do with how many times you go to church. Going to church is the response to recognizing what Christ has done for us. Going immediately to your brothers and sisters, your companions in Christ when something good happens or when something bad happens, that shows the priority. Thinking immediately when someone asks you, hey, tell me about yourself, thinking immediately, I'm a Christ follower. The most essential, defining thing about my life is that I follow Christ. Let me tell you why. Because I was dead and now I'm alive. That is your essence. You were made to be his, and he's yours. That's what it's about. And so what Peter and John show us in this passage, very simply by simply saying the first thing I do is not walk outside the temple, take a selfie, post it, free at last, those darn Pharisees, you know, hashtag, <laughs> right? That's not what they did. They immediately went to where the real relationship was. They, they immediately tied into Christ through his people. And that's where we need to be. That's what we're called to do. Look, we don't, I don't want to play games and come to church and dress nice and pretend like everything's cool and have our little Christianese language that we speak to each other. and That's all nonsense. Okay, If you want to do that, there's probably other places where you can do that. This is a place where we're going to get very, very serious about helping each other to grow, about ministering to one another, about coming to know Jesus in a real and powerful way. And you don't do that by showing up on Sunday mornings twice a month. That's not how it works. So if you start to tell yourself, what are those things that keep me from being connected fully to the church, from being in the life group, from being in ministries, from doing these things, and those things that you think of that are keeping you from that, those priorities are skewed priorities. If this wouldn't be your move, something great happened, something bad happened, if your move wouldn't be immediately, you've got to go to the believer's. Got to go to my brothers and sisters in Christ. If that wouldn't be your move, you've gotten skewed. That's what we're being called to, all of us, me and you. So I know it's a tough call, but, you know, when Jesus says pick up your cross and follow me, he wasn't talking about the little one that you wear on the cute necklace. He's talking about the one that means death to yourself to find life in him.
0: Lots to think about, isn't there? Pastor David pulls no punches, and it's so great to hear the truth about these important topics. And if you find that you need a church family, I hope you'll give Axe Church a try. You'll find rock-solid teaching and a family of folks that really love Jesus. So come see us this Sunday morning. Get directions and all the info you need at axechurchnw.org. Or call us at 360-885-9000. Well, that's it for today. And I hope you'll check out the next episode for more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.